You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. So an actor is saying his lines, and then out of nowhere, he just starts singing. Five, six, seven, eight. Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. We're going to try 2.0 Wi-Fi contingent. How you doing, Dan? We're going to try our best. <laughs> I'm doing great. We are very excited to have Mr. Jason Gote here today. Jason Gote is here. That's my cue to speak, right? What's up, guys? He's a, st- <laughs> he's a stud now. Oh, it's clear. wow. Okay. In oh, I was going to say. Here. High school heartthrob. He is on our podcast. If Spidey this, man. If this is how things are starting, I just can't. I, I simply can't imagine where this is going to go. You know you what we can, should do, you Joe? Bail now. You we can bail now. You can get out now. No, he's stuck. We should insert his um, between oh, the lines oh, yeah. right uh, here. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, yeah, yeah, it's something yeah. to hold oh, on to is just going here. right going in here. here. really do God. your research like y'all really know you really know this well, stuff we all, yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> because we know yeah, you right. I, I guess that's true and dan and i both auditioned for that show and didn't get that's it. true so you know in well, fact didn't didn't end up happening <laughs> i hope i hope one day it does um, guess who was after mm-hmm. jason dan oh, was dan was I, I, after yeah, jason running yeah. from his um <laughs> yep. i think you were in tech for evita yeah and i, I saw you in the elevator and you were like wow. dripping with sweat and you went dripping in there and abs- sweat. you abs it was i think it was in the summer you absolutely <laughs> laid it down they laughed the whole audition and you came out and i was just like well that went well <laughs> yeah and then, dri- and then i had to go in there. and so I, yeah i'm glad yeah you but you that crushed up, man you're you're very sweet it was one of those things where like you have no time to think about it no time to worry about it you're running on mm-hmm. adrenaline you're already warm go in do the thing get out um, you know, it's the blessing and the curse of you have th- right. three seconds to fit it in and, and there's no time to worry. You just got to do it. So, yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. That's so freaking cool. Um, well, we have a bunch of those stories. Um, you know, I think, I, I know that... I, I went in after you for Moulin Rouge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went after you for Miss Saigon. Mm. And if there's anybody you don't want to sing after, it's Jason Gautier. That's a fact. That's true. Yes. That's that's something we can all agree that's, on. That's true. Well, I, you don't I will want not to agree be the voice there. they hear after. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh okay well we'll stop we we'll, we'll just we're gonna nerd out about you for the next 45 minutes to an hour but here let's just do your let's do some credits real Can't quick wait. and make you super uncomfortable most it. recently che and evita at city center along with call me madam we know the handsome man from bring it on uh, from this, uh, we can talk about Between the Lines because that was obviously a very interesting uh, story along with the Gossip Girl reboot that the man is currently filming, Spider-Man on Broadway, as well as NBC's Peter Pan Live, uh, the uh, uh, Prince of Egypt, uh, Freaky Friday, original cast recording, originating the role of uh, Colosio in Bron- Bron- Blah. Wait, one more time. Colosio in Bronxdale at Paper Mill. Yes. Went to Manhattan, Marymount, Marymount Manhattan, BFA, all sorts of stuff. We're going to talk about a million things. Jason, thank you very much for being Honestly, here. Honestly, you you truly <laughs> read that off a page. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did because it's credits. We're going to talk about all of it, but we want to make sure we want to embarrass I the guest. Thought you knew me, Jim. and then we want to I move just on. You no, 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 no. So no well, you I was to trying to highlight. I was trying to highlight how hard it was for you to read it off the page was all. I just I don't had to, to kind of give you the tease for a moment because I you, you made it a little harder for yourself than it needed to be. But I know enough about that. I know. Let's talk about Jason. We're so Let's happy that you're Jason. here. You're in the middle of filming this not reboot of Gossip Girl. It is a new Gossip Girl, new storylines, new characters. Can you tell us a little bit about that? that experience and how that's going for you? Cause you guys are what, like day 12 of filming or something? Yeah, we're about day 12. Um, I'm still figuring out how it's going because I've only had one day of shooting so far, which is kind of crazy. Um, the schedule Amazing. keeps changing. And not only is it my first TV show, the first one that I've ever been on, but it, it this, the pandemic has kind of leveled the playing field for everybody because no one working on it has shot a TV show during a global pandemic before. So everyone's kind of figuring out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And if you have, I want to hear those stories. Um, So everyone's kind of figuring. You're 115 years old. Exactly. (laughs) So it's it's going great. I mean, it's um, a constant battle trying to figure out how to make sure that people feel safe. The, The PPE and all the safety rules and regulations are kind of crazy. I feel really taken care of. 
but it's still so new and I've only had one day and things keep shifting and changing and we're shooting the first couple episodes and then taking an eight week break. Then we're back and we're shooting all the way through August. So we're kind of just at the beginning oh, wow. of that wow. of that journey right now. But But it's great. It feels so weird to talk about because it's been so piecemeal, the experience between a Zoom table read a month ago and a costume fitting a few weeks ago and, you know, my one day of shooting. It's, um, you know, we're just really getting off the ground. So, so far, so good. And I'm excited to be working. Wow. I can't complain. I'm thrilled that, right. that it's finally happening. Uh, after I would love waiting, to deep so dive yeah. on that a little bit more. Uh, yeah. You found out, because sort of going back to the Between the Lines experience, you were cast in Between the Lines. You were supposed to take that show to second stage. And then you had to back out because you got Gossip Girl. Right. How did that process come about for you with Gossip Girl? Well, it's a funny story that I love telling because it's such a testament to, you know, us as theater actors, how hard we work, you know, and, and our hard work sometimes really pays off in these extraordinary ways. So Josh Safran, who is the showrunner on Gossip Girl and who wrote Gossip mm -hmm. Girl, he basically is Gossip Girl. He was largely mm -hmm. responsible for the <laughs> success of the original and, and he's back doing this, this new version. He saw Evita at City Center last year and so mm. did Cassandra, the casting director, and they both saw me and they were like, hey, I think that guy is a fit for, for what we're doing. And that's what inspired them to bring me in. And I went in really quickly on lunch break from rehearsals for the Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat concert at Lincoln Center that I was mm -hmm. doing. And I ran over on my lunch break. It was a very quick scene. I did it a few times and left thinking nothing of it because I'm a theater guy who's never booked a TV show before. So there was, there was no way... Um, that, you know, going from having zero TV experience to doing a series regular on the Gossip Girl reboot was going to be a thing. But I didn't know at that point they had seen <laughs> Evita, which was great. So um, mm. I went in for my audition. Joseph happened. And then maybe a week or so later, they called me and they were like, hey, you're screen testing for this. But that's all we know. We don't know if it's going to be in New York. We don't know if it's going to be in L.A. We don't know what material you have to do. We can't tell you any more about the character. Hold tight. And... Um, it ended up being a little bit of a waiting game because in TV land, before your screen test, which is essentially your final callback, they have to negotiate your contract and you have to sign it before you even have your final callback. So once they decide they want you to test, you have to wait for your reps and the producers to work out a whole deal, right? And in this case, it was a deal for potentially the next six years of my life. So it took a while to figure that out. And once they finally Whoa. did... They got me on the phone and they were like, okay, so you're flying to LA tomorrow and here's the new scene you're doing and here's what time your flight is. You know, they'll pick you up, get over there. So that was all kind of a whirlwind. And then the screen test was amazing. I walked in the room and they were like, hey, loved your work in Evita. They asked me questions about that. So immediately I felt like, okay, there was some context for me walking in the room and it felt really easy and super collaborative. And they kind of hinted that I was the only one testing for this role. So I left feeling a little bit like, okay, that went well. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, and then a few days later, got the call and then immediately had to Whoa. figure out how was this going to, you know, coexist with Between the Lines to bring this back, you know, to, to what you were asking. Again, took a few weeks to figure out if it was going to be possible. Ultimately, it wasn't going to be possible. Um, and then none of it was possible because <laughs> <laughs> life was canceled completely for seven months. Um, Right. So yeah, that's the weird thing. And and kind of sad because I don't know what the future of Between the Lines is going to be, 
But right. I imagine that by the time they finally right. get it off the ground, I might be done shooting season one. And, you know, maybe I would have been able to do it. But, you know, there's no predicting how things are going to turn out that way. So I wish them well. I love the show. I, I love everyone working on it. And I can't wait to see what happens. So, Wow. wow. God, that's such a cool story. It's it's like it had to be a bit of a dream, like a bit of a fever dream. Because now so you were you were done. Were you done with Joseph at the time? Yeah. When you, or did you have to, yeah, so the Joseph was done and then you did the whole screen yep. test thing. Yeah, exactly. It was about Could, a week and you'd, later. Where, you'd, you'd never screen tested before. I, I had screen tested for did one other show. No, you're back. You're back. Yeah, you're um, good now. Yeah, I, I had done one screen test before. It was right around the time of Call Me Madam at Encores. Encores is kind of my good luck charm with, <laughs> with TV <laughs> stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Because that, that too fell completely out of the clear blue sky but yeah they they flew me to la for it was an it was a comedy on abc it was the uh the hannah simone project she's an actress from new girl i think mm-hmm. i should know this but it was her yeah. tv show and so i did i did screen test for that that was the one other experience i had had but every experience is different and it all felt brand new to me it's it still does so so yeah it's kind yeah, of yeah that's so sick where did they do it where where was the test uh, it was in la on um Oh God! What are the name of the studios? I think it was like Disney Studios. Um, Got it. But yeah. some big fancy like like lot. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like oh, like yeah. like this very very L A. Very Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Very fancy. They put you up at the hotel yeah. in like Universal City or whatever. You come over there. You have to like wait on the long security line, and then it's like the golf carts driving people around from like studio to studio on this big lot. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, it was so nuts. Cool. It was nuts. That's so cool. But when cool. you find out the day before you're going to be flying out there, there's any again, it's like there's no time to even be like, oh, what am I doing? The material is so new. You're getting on a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all just like one big adventure. So it's I just tried my best to stay present and not not get ahead of myself. That's so cool. Yeah, the reason I ask if yeah. you'd ever done wow. it before is because I I I haven't tested, but I have been on some of those lots, and your hands start to sweat. Oh, yeah. Just being there in that kind of like, like how do you, how do you rise to that occasion? How do you stay positive and stay kind of focused on what you have to do and like not let it get the best of you? Well, the first time, again, because I had no TV experience to go from nothing to testing for a series regular on a comedy, which was the first show I tested for, I was like, there's just no, there's no way. It's not going to happen, <laughs> right? Like... This is so far-fetched. So I might as well go in, show them who I am, have fun with this. Like, it felt oddly low stakes because I didn't feel like Uh, I had any sort of shot. So I walked in and I, like, very much played the role of, like, you know, new kid on the block. I was like, hey, when do I sing my 16 bars? Like, being an idiot and, like, ask, you Mm -hmm. know, um, kind of playing that up. And I let myself off the hook because I kept telling myself, like, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. And that weirdly allowed me to, to be more of myself, show them my sense of humor. Um, and then the second right. time around, once I got there, I was super nervous for Gossip Girl, but I ended up having to wait like a super long time. They were running behind and the casting director came out and we were kind of shooting the shit for a really long time. And so all of my adrenaline kind of melted away. By the time I got in there, it, it just felt like I've been here for an hour. Let's do this. I don't know. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, I, I, I have the same, I, Dan, that was an excellent question because like, I've never been in that position and I just imagine that you're just flying because also, you know, like you said, you know what the contract looks like. Yeah. You know, that's not, 
it's not a small amount of money right. and it's not a small amount of time. And you're like, oh my God, my whole life could change. You know, I don't know. So like how, how you step up to the plate and not blow it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, See, you know, it's like, interesting. Like, really, I, you know, like, I'm like, I'm just worried. I'm putting it into the universe in a bad way that like, I'm going to blow that the first time that I, I, I get that opportunity. But like, you know, how, how you do that. It's just fat. It's really interesting. Yeah. I think for like theater jobs that I get really close to, they feel so, so much more stressful for some reason, because I, I, you know, it's like, I've done this before. I'm ready yeah. for it. This is what I do. Like, come on, like, give me this chance. But something like TV yeah. was so, so new to me. So when it, I don't mm. know, when you're such a rookie that way and you have no idea what to expect, there's, there's no, nothing yeah. else to compare it to. It's easier to be like, all right, I don't know what this is going to be, but, um, you yeah. have no choice, but to kind yeah. of like navigate it moment to moment because you've never done it before. So totally. that kind of helped, I think. So it was completely yeah. new to you and you find yourself in this situation where you're like, you know, Gossip Girl is a job that, you know, I'll call it right here. You heard it here first. The hot take is this job will probably change your life in a major way. If, if <laughs> nothing more than just getting you, a lot of people are going to recognize your face. We'll just call it as it is because that'll definitely happen. But do you feel, um, did, you, did you feel any necessity to kind of change anything about what you do as a performer or how you worked on the material to like work on TV? Is the, do you find any, any difference? It's all still very new to you. So it's probably an early question to ask, but do you find any difference between how you prepare material for the stage as opposed to how you prepared this? Or were you thinking about Joe and I are like avid students of acting in pictures and all of these like film coaches and all that stuff. Are you doing any of that stuff too? Or are you just kind of being true to yourself and trusting the process? Oh man. Wow. That's such a good question. I mean, I've, taken a few TV film classes that were really challenging for me because, you know, you always get to watch yourself back and, and we're so, so critical of ourselves. And, and the course that I took was really about different genres on TV and film, how you navigate that, how you make choices. So I've, I'm thinking about that a little bit, but if I'm being completely transparent, even my first day on set, which I ended up feeling more comfortable than I thought I would, a lot of what I'm doing, this is not like the, you know, the politically correct answer, but anytime I'm doing anything TV film, I have this voice in my head telling me, do less, do less, stop trying, just relax. Um, mm -hmm. And that is, a, mm. uh, I've found to be a real barrier between me and the work. I haven't, to be completely honest, found my way in yet because I mm. have always been super conscious of coming from musical theater land and having to... Um, you know, strip down what I do so that it doesn't come across as being too much or overcompensating. Mm. And mm. so that is kind of, <laughs> sadly, that's the overwhelming thought right now is coming into this world, you know, really strip away, um, you know, you're, you're feeling like you have to prove yourself or make big choices. Just let the words carry you, stay present, listen to the mm -hmm. other person, all of that, like very yeah. basic, um, building block acting stuff that you learn. It, it, it's, yeah, it, it's going back to the beginning with that stuff for me has been really helpful. And, and totally. I'm hoping to like continue to find my way in because right now it, I'm, I'm nervous that I'm going to come across as you know, being inexperienced or bringing too much energy. It's hard. It's a hard line to, to find. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's super interesting. Yeah. Cause we, we talk, we, we talk a lot about like on TV and in, in like you can be big, mm -hmm. right. 
you can be big. It's just a different, it's, it's behavior that is, you know, Dan, what does Bob Krakauer always say? It's like, you know, your behavior has to be organic and it has to be true. It can be large. Right. Right. It doesn't, it's like this, it's this misconception totally. that like, you know, you have to be small on TV. It's just that your behavior has to be true to the character. We have to believe so it like, to I'm be so, true. You know, we have to believe it to be right. spontaneous yeah. and we have to believe right. it to be, um, genuine surprising you yeah. know yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. like yeah. it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be less it just has to be real so ten, a lot of times when real, i'm yeah. pushing i'm trying to create something that isn't necessarily real so the idea right. that you have to like not push and do less is like accepting kind of that you're enough and whatever you're doing in the present is right you know yeah. and then just like yeah. doing which is kind yeah. of how you approach those two auditions which is probably why they worked out so well you know like just yeah. kind of tr being present is is the thing, but it, you know, it, it's something that Joe and I are trying to crack. So it's a question that we're constantly same, asking. Same, you, honestly, I'm like writing know. all this down. Um, right. Well, and you're right at the beginning of it too, which is so interesting. Like, how much of the character do you know? I mean, because one of the things that we that I read was like, you know, they're they're very hush hush about what the what the series is going to be. They're mm. very t close, you know, guarded about like what the storylines are going to be, who the characters are, what all of that stuff. So how much do you know? And it, it, does that make sense? Like right now, I, I always wonder that like TV wise, like if you're going to be doing this for six years, they obviously don't know what you're going to be doing five years from right. now, or maybe they do, but they know what you're doing in season one. Right. They, they know what you're doing in season two. Yeah. So, so how much do you know? Not a ton, Joe, not a ton. <laughs> um, I know a little bit, really nice. largely based on the two scenes that I did for the screen test and Josh was in the room and obviously, you know, was in the writer's room for the whole first season. So he was able to fill me in a little bit on where things were going. And there were two scenes I had to do. And one scene was at the beginning of a relationship with another character. And the second scene was, you know, a few episodes down the line, you got to see how that relationship evolves. So I kind of mm. have a feeling I know where things are going. Um, but Got even the it. first day on set, it was me and a few other characters, and we had, that was the, one of the most surprising things about that first day was there was no real conversation beforehand about what the relationships were like, what is the dynamic of this group. I was in a scene with five other actors, um, and I was able to draw my own conclusions about it based on the script, but there were no conversations about it. And in theater, hopefully, you get the opportunity to sit and crack all of that stuff open. So I was the kid in the holding area like, hey, guys, like, what do you think? Like, how long have we known each other? Is this a thing that happens? Are we close? Are we comfortable touching <laughs> each other? Like, trying to ask all of those, like, actory questions because there's no real time for that. But then throughout the day, you're doing like 30, 40 different takes and every few takes a director comes over and is like, I think you guys are really close. I don't know if you're normally out with these people. So take a lot of your stuff to this character. Um, so the process kind of unfolds in a, in a very mm. different way. And so, yeah. well, I forget what your question was. How much do I know? Not, not a ton. Yeah. I, you're learning about it as it's happening, right? Like after take 10, when your director is like, hey, I think you and this character are really close friends, right? So maybe you can take a lot of your stuff to her. It's like, oh, cool. That's something that I didn't know beforehand. Right. So so a lot of the homework that you're used to doing, you can't really do until you're very much there in the moment, able to ask the questions in real time. It's different. It's really different. And that, I have to highlight, is, is what makes it TV, right? Like yeah. not doing that homework and doing that because in life, we don't necessarily know what is happening between us and totally. our groups of friends. It's helpful so that true. they say, oh, in this circumstance, like that's your best friend. That person's not cool. Yeah. Okay. I know I'm going to talk to this person, but like figuring out what those relationships are in the moment is what makes it real right. and what makes it spontaneous and new and fun. And cause in theater, mm -hmm. we have to, 
we have to know everything that there is to know and then make it appear real. But in right. TV, it really has mm -hmm. to be real because you can't lie because the camera's right there. And that's really yeah. interesting because as you were explaining that, I was like, well, that just kind of seems like life. Like, that's real. That's exactly right. how it would yeah. be. Yeah. So right. smart. So smart. Right. And, and we, like the three of us, like our, our theater, like, you know, our friends, we love that. That's where we thrive is being in the process, being like, oh, hey, here's something that I think might make mm -hmm. it more interesting, right? Or something that might complicate it for you. Like, we're so process-driven, and TV is very process-driven mm -hmm. too, right? And you get the opportunity in the next right. take to, like, play with something a little bit differently. It feels so much like rehearsal, and it helps mm -hmm. it to feel more alive, more spontaneous. Yeah. And so in that way, that's that's what's fun about it and what's exciting for me. And, and that's why I'm excited to do it more, because you're just playing, and you're doing it a million different ways. You get to do the same scene 30, 40 times in a day, Right. And they'll kind of piece it together in the way that's going to tell the story most effectively in their view. Right. But that that playfulness. Right. And learning in in each moment is part of what makes it exciting. So, yeah, it's For been cool. Sure. cool. It's been cool. XOXO. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> holy, holy cow. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's going to be so I can't wait to watch it. Me I know too. it's going to be, it's going to be a while, but just to check in with you over the course of this process. And, you know, it, it's just, we love, we love when the good people get the good jobs. And I remember, I think I texted you that exact thing when the deadline article came out. I was like, oh my God, the good, yeah. you know, the good people won today. That, mm -hmm. you know, that, uh, that Jason totally. is going to be on this show. So congratulations. We can't wait to watch it. I appreciate it. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And then we'll, let's, let's do some theater. Let's talk about some theater shit because that's what we. Yes. You know, we, we obviously love that. Um, and one of the things that I, I wanted to just kind of jump into off of what you were talking about was sort of the development stuff. We, I think we met really the first time doing that, the first reading of Bandstand, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Did, had we met before that? I don't, I don't think, think so. I, I, I remember that because I remember that process, you know, it was the very first reading down at the public that I had done. Right. I think they'd done one more. Yeah, they had. And, and we were in that together. And we went out for lunch yeah. that one yes. day and, and like, talked about what a weird guy Jeremy Jordan is <laughs> and uh, and and we're like we're like talking about this show and you know that so talk about talk about poking holes and trying to create something um that was a very cool process and I remember do you what do you remember from that first reading I mean that was so long ago and I know that you know well you didn't play the saxophone so that was kind of the end indeed of not indeed not <laughs> well I, I remember that week being the week that I fell in love with Joe Carroll um First and foremost, um, <laughs> not kidding. But uh, you know, I I remember. First of all, I had done Bring It On the musical with Andy Blankenbuehler, and right Bandstand happened. I think it was a couple years after that. But 
after that experience and, and seeing his brilliance and really wanting to work with him again, when he called me to do the bandstand reading, I was like, oh, amazing. Like, here's another opportunity to work with this, this, this friend, this man that I really admire and, and respect. And I really fell in love with the piece that week. Um, yeah. I loved the team. I loved the story so much. I loved those characters. I loved all of the things they were trying to say within it. I really loved watching the other actors in the room. Um, Jeremy Jordan is a little weird, but I, I was kind of obsessed with watching his process. <laughs> he's like a comic book kid who became a Broadway heartthrob. Totally. You know, he's like totally, totally. like a quiet introvert, but then now he's like yes. thrust into the spotlight and he has yeah. like the best voice ever, but all he yeah. really wants to do is just that. Like, don't right. bother me otherwise, you know? Totally. I mean, he's just... Yeah, but, but it was this thing. Mm. It was, it was, and I, 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 I feel bad if I misspoke about the word weird, but it was like, he had this like, he was like a creature of musical yeah. theater and we sat down at like some some sandwich shop at the at the public and we we're like what is the he was but he has this star quality yeah. that was like and i remember us sitting behind music stands and he somebody made a note and he was just like as the lead of this this reading was like no that that would not happen that way it would happen this way i think i would do it this way right and the whole room was like oh okay yeah i guess can we do it that way yes okay it was it was like oh this is this is a person who who you know I don't know and it wasn't it wasn't even like jerky really maybe it kind of was I don't remember I just remember like there was like oh this is a, there's a star in the room and the star is going to be listened to yeah that I like, that oh, I shoot, think was the know? most interesting part of the week for me because obviously Jeremy was someone that I really look up to and someone whose career I wanted to emulate and I was still so young at right. that point that I was still kind of learning for myself what is it what does it mean to lead a show what does it mean to be the leading man how do you really lead a company but remain gracious and how do you, um, you know, stand strong in, in your beliefs, um, but also stay collaborative, right? I was asking myself all of those questions. So I was grateful for the opportunity to watch him um, kind of workshop yeah. this new piece. Um, yes, to everything you said. I think that he was, was, is at a point where he doesn't feel like he, that he needs to be apologetic anymore when it comes to something that he thinks and feels. And he's, mm -hmm. that's, that's what you hire some of these stars for right is to come in and have a really right. strong voice right. and to be completely unapologetic about it and as long as you're not being disrespectful but i think it, it was a little jarring for me and you if i remember correctly like i think yeah. you were a little bit taken aback by that that sort of um i use this word uh you know hesitatingly but that kind of aggression that right that he that he had in the room yeah. was a little bit um was unexpected and i learned yeah. i learned a lot from that yeah. 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 No, totally, totally, totally. Um, and you, you mentioned it briefly and I, you know, we want to talk about bring it on, obviously. I mean, that was, that had to have been, that was, that was kind of break number one, oh, yeah, right? I mean, you were, were you, were you still in college at the time? When I that just happened? graduated. How did that, how did that process yeah. come uh, I okay, graduated in May and I auditioned for bring it on in August. And at that point they had already had one out of town tryout at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta. And so they were yeah. gearing up for their national tour by the time I auditioned, they had cast everybody else in the show already except for my role. They had an open call at Telsey for the guy. And I went in and Rachel Hoffman, who's amazing, was like very much kind of mentoring me through that process because I think she saw like, I think this could be you, but <laughs> you're a little bit of a diamond in the right, rough. Right, right. Because I was right. such, a, such a baby at that point. And it moved so quickly. Um, it was audition, callback, work session, final callback. Um, so that was definitely the break. Yeah, I had just left school. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And then it toured, it, it, you, you went on the tour with it. It went, went all around the country and then stopped on Broadway for, 
How long? I think it ended up being five or six months. I think we opened August and we closed on uh, December 31st. It was a little less than half a year. Got it. New York. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Because I remember, I remember seeing that. I remember being like, you know, it's like one of those, I think we were like 22, 23. I was when that came to route. Dan, did you see it on Broadway? No. I mean, you you know, I, no, I think I was still in school. <laughs> I was still the in school. Is no. no, I did not. Yeah. I was still the in school. No. Taylor, no. Taylor Loudman was in our class, so obviously we were tracking it. Right. Um, your song was one of the songs I had to sing in my showcase audition, oh, like thing, yeah. to, for, to figure yeah. out what I was yeah. supposed to sing for showcase. I was gonna sing that for a long time, so like I knew the show, oh, but no. I never got to see the show, and I'm bummed I didn't get to see the show because, you know, that was. Everybody knew who Jason Go. Everybody in my camp knew who Jason Gote was after Lord. that experience, yeah. so and we strange. watched it very yeah. closely because of Taylor. Um, what oh did you gosh, What did yeah. you learn being 23 years old, starring in a Broadway show? Everything. Truly, that was like the um, crash <laughs> <school>. course. <laughs> there was the crash <laughs> yes. course in how to do this damn thing. I mean. Bring it on. I would never say a bad word about it because it gave me everything, like every bucket list thing that I ever dreamed of. The cast recording, you know, Billboard in Times Square, originating a role, nominated for Best Musical of the Tonys, went to the Tonys. Like, it was one dream come true after another, but it was really, really hard (laughs) Um, for a million different reasons. But I was so young and all of us were unknowns. And so I walked into that process so scared of everything, feeling like I had to prove myself that like you made the right choice going with me. And as a result, I had a huge kind of wall up socially, very much kept to myself, tried to like, you know, keep my feet on the floor and stay focused. And socially that cast, um, to be completely honest, we weren't, I didn't feel like we were really a, a family. It was a little bit of, it, it was yeah. difficult for me to kind of acclimate. About two thirds of the cast had been with the show for its entire development. And then I kind of stepped in to replace somebody else. And it was mm-hmm. kind of hard finding my way with the people. Yeah. And by the end, I mean, we'd been together for a year and a half developing this thing. And so I have so much love for every single one of those people. But, but it was really hard leaving home for the first time, being on the road for nine months. Um, mm. And being in development right. for that long too, which was such a gift, but also you know had its own challenges. So I, I learned so much. I'm I'm so grateful uh, to that experience because it really jump started everything for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We we talked to Matt Doyle about this a little bit because he's a good friend of mine, and and he was saying that when he did Spring Awakening when he was really young, it was like everybody was so young. Yeah. Like how you know you guys were all. That cast was all barely twenty yeah. years old, you know. Like, like you know, you don't know who you are or what you're doing. And then somebody says, "Hey, here's a bunch of money, and yeah, you know, go lead a Broadway show." Like, I, I can imagine that being just a bit of a, you know, almost like almost like um like Drew Barrymore, right? Totally. <laughs> like you know, you know, like just being young and and and, and successful in that way, like and having a ton of pressure and a ton of responsibility right. must have been really hard. Yeah, it was for me, but I mean, I feel like in some ways I got off easy because my role was very straightforward and and I didn't really have to do anything physical and everyone else in the show was working so hard and Mm. Taylor was completely incredible and watching her and Adrian Warren together really lead that show and as young people kind of figure out everything you were just talking about. Who am I? What do I have to say? How do I sustain this? Um, they really, for me, deserve so, so, so much credit. I mean, my role was the male lead, but it was like very much a featured supporting, you know, role with a couple great moments. But I didn't have to carry the show on my back like they did. And, you know, Taylor right. being right. plucked out of school um, 
crazy, crazy. And having to sing, yeah. dance, act, cheerlead. I mean, there was stunting. It was, it was wild. It was wild. And I can't believe they did it, but they, they were so, um, so wonderful. And yeah. Yeah. It was amazing to watch them. Yeah, that, ca- that cast, all of you have, all of you have gone on to like just absurd yeah, careers. Yeah. Like look at, look at the, 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 you know, the opening night Broadway cast of bring it on and everybody's doing everybody's <laughs> no, doing kind of, well yeah it's <laughs> everybody's um, doing i mean great company fine I mean, great 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 company that's yeah. that's amazing yeah. um so we got a couple we got a, just a bunch more stuff that we want to ask you i mean what one of the the things that we always ask people um what is the greatest challenge of your career been so far because sometimes we talk about the like you know the happy stuff and you know all the all the good stuff but like what's what's something you know something challenging something um I think the, one of the biggest challenges that I've had to kind of navigate was the Bronx Tale experience, um, originating that yeah. role at Paper Mill, working really hard, um, being in development with that, and then not moving forward uh, and not being able to go to Broadway with the show. That was really hard. And um, I'm really grateful for that experience because I learned so much. But that was a challenge for me to kind of deal with, you know, any shame that I felt surrounding that Um and it's something I love talking about now because I really want to dispel, you know, any notion that any actor should feel shame or guilt or, you know, not good enough for not, you know, seeing a project all the way through. Um, yeah. But that was, we try to talk about that a lot on this, yeah. you know, on, on our show. Yeah. Well, just, I'm great. just I'm happened to me in the, in the spring. Um, <laughs> oh, I, just, yeah. I just had the same experience. So I'm always like trying to give a voice to that because nobody talks about that. Yeah. And whenever it happens to somebody, we all are kind of like, ooh, you know, I wonder what's going to happen. And yeah. it, interestingly, we were talking about Taylor Louderman too. Mm. And before she did Mean Girls, the same thing happened to her. She was replaced in an MTC show. She was right. playing the lead. She was replaced like, I think like the night before previews started. Right. And Rachel Rockwell, who yeah. I've, um, the late Rachel Rockwell, who's a genius who I love, talked about how sorry she was for having to do that to her and all of that. And you've had the same experience, so I, I, I really wanted to, was hoping you would bring that up today because I want you to kind of highlight yeah. you were playing the lead role in this show and the show goes to Broadway and you're not going with it, but how did you find out that you weren't mo- moving forward? Well, maybe six to eight months after we finished our run at Paper Mill, I got a phone call from my agent saying, hey, Bronx Tale is moving. It's going to Broadway. Um, and they're putting out a, an audition breakdown and your role is going to be on it. They are gonna see a few people, they're putting you on hold. It's unclear you know, whether or not you'll be joining them, but they wanted to reach out and, um, and let you know that they're gonna be seeing other people for it and they'll keep you posted. And I got no explanation, no word from mm-hmm. them on, um, no feedback really. Mm-hmm. And so, Ouch. yeah, so that was a little weird. And I waited and you know, in, our peers in the business, we always hear when like, oh, are you going in for this? Are you being seen for this? I hadn't really heard about anyone right. else going in for it. And, you know, everyone was kind of talking about it and asking me. That was w- one of the most difficult parts was everyone was like, oh, my gosh, Bronx Tale's going. Like, congratulations. And I was like, well, I don't really know yet. Mm. So it was like kind of weird to, to deal with that. Oh. Um, oh, and God. Yeah, that was a little funky. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I heard that they weren't, it wasn't going my way. And I heard that Bobby... Conti Thornton was doing it, which I was totally thrilled about because I am a huge fan of him. And I, I do want to talk more about that because before the whole Bronx Tale experience, I'd seen him in a bunch of stuff. And I was like, damn it. 
He's so damn good. And, um, <laughs> and it came down to Bobby and I for Paper Mill. And in that whole right. audition process, you know, he was so wonderful. And, you know, it was always great seeing him. And we were very supportive of one another. And so when I heard he was doing it, I was happy for him. And Ariana DeBose was also joining the company. And I knew her from Bring It On as well. So I was thrilled for her. Um, so that was how I found out. And um, I reached out to Bobby right away. And I was like, hey, congratulations. And I wasn't. Compl- would you find out like like through a through a like a Playbill article or something? Or did, did, I, I did think my agent, agent called call me. You. Yeah, I think Joe. I think you and okay. I still maybe have the yeah, same agent. Ben, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Ben called me and and kind of told me and I again was given no explanation, Ouch. no feedback until a couple years later. It came up randomly, and my agent kind of said to me one day, "You." you remember what happened with that. And I was like, well, no, I didn't ever really get anything from them. And he was like, wait, what? And so I found out way after all of this um, transpired what what the kind of feedback was. And I remember the way my agent kind of posed it was, you know, they loved you. They loved the work you did. They thought you were so sweet and so charming and so likable. And that is kind of what ended up working against you a little bit because they wanted someone a little tougher, a little edgier, um, and someone a little bit more, I think, just masculine, and maybe they wanted a straight actor in the role. Um, mm. Yeah, to me that sounds a little a little straight guy. You know, that sounds a little a little shady. You know, yeah. I don't want to read too much into it, but to be completely honest, the role, the the story is steeped in this culture that is um, very much about this hyper masculinity, right? It's about a boy and his two father figures and they're kind of vying for his love. And it's a lot about that mob mafia culture as well. And so that's something that I understood because I was born and raised in Brooklyn, but for whatever reason, like the energy that I was giving them was, you know, not the direction they wanted to take it. And I completely respect Mm -hmm. that. Um, because for me as an actor, you know, vulnerability and sensitivity is kind of where I like to live. And that's very often the way I find um, a way in to any character I'm playing. And I think they wanted something a little bit different, which I totally respect. Um, so it took me a little bit of time to come to terms with that, especially because at Bronx Tale, the, the process itself, the rehearsal process and the run was really hard. They were really, really hard right. on me. Jerry Zachs, who is incredible and a legend, and I'm so happy I worked with him and I learned so much from him. He was really tough. Um, and I've been through a lot of preview. Were they, were they pushing? Were they pushing you in that direction? Were they? Was he like trying to push you tougher, tougher, really, tougher the whole time? Not really. I never felt like that was an issue. And um, huh. I, I was. It was a really difficult process, you guys, because you know, without without yeah. saying too much, I mean, it was this big commercial property, and there were a lot of cooks in mm-hmm. that kitchen. Tommy Matola and Dodger Theatrical, totally. right? And, and Tommy had worked on the movie, and the show was co-directed by Robert De Niro and Jerry Zachs. But De Niro wasn't really very much involved, but had specific opinions that I was hearing about, but I never got to talk to him about it. Um, I would have people pulling me aside saying, watch the movie. Jerry Zachs was like, don't watch the movie. I would be in touch with Chaz Palminteri, who was texting me, telling me certain things. Like, it was, it was, I was kind of in the middle wow. of this crazy storm. And um, right. I've been through a lot of preview periods, but that preview period was very much like adding in a monologue that had to be specifically timed musically. It was cutting reprises, adding reprises. It was um, throwing so many things at me, and I felt so proud of how I was handling it. You know, I was working really hard, and I felt like I'm really delivering for them and I, I feel like this is going to pay off um and then when it didn't I was a, a little heartbroken and it mm, took some time to to come to terms with that but 
it almost feels like a rite of passage at, at a certain point, right? Like Jeremy Jordan was someone who I thought about him and he did the out of town of Finding Neverland. I heard he was absolutely mm-hmm. fucking brilliant. And, you know, they, right. they brought in a, a star to do it on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And for me, in my head, I'm like, well, you don't really get better than him. And it happens to, because right. I, I was, you know, looked up to him so much at the time and still do. And um, so that was, it was easy for me to comfort myself knowing that it happens to, to so many people, and Dan, you're right, it's not something that's talked about, and there is weird energy surrounding it, but it, yeah, it just happens all the time, so that was a big challenge. Because yeah, to me, tough. just to highlight wow. something about it is, like, if they weren't giving you specific direction right, to change, then what that yeah. indicates to me is that they're looking for a pure essence coming out of a human being, and, totally. like, their particular choice here of what kind of essence they were looking for may have a tinge of something that may be inappropriate, but they're still looking for what they're allowed to call a quality. And that's something that we can't really control. You can't right. control how genuine you are. You can't control how charming you are. That's part of what makes you you. That's part of what is going to make you succeed in the long run. You have to just kind of own right. that that's okay. And I'm saying this to you because I'm actually saying it to myself. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we all need a reminder. I get because it. it. I get honestly, it. Like, you know, it has been... A long pandemic, and <laughs> I'm trying to get myself to understand that, like, we're all enough, and there's yeah, nothing that right. you can do in a lot of instances to change what these people want from you. You can only be more yourself. Yeah. And the people who are, I've just was watching Killing Eve. I was just binging, watching Jodie Comer in that show. I read yep. about her audition. Three lines in, they knew it was her because of something about her, not because of some voice she did or some you know, way she said a line or whatever the, you know, noob actors think that, that it should be, you know? So it just, I had to highlight that for you and for me. (laughs) Totally. We Um, all need to hear it. We all need to hear it. We all need to hear it. Um, I've got a, I've got another question here. Um, I'm a big guy for, thank you for sharing all that. Thank you for sharing all that, Jason. That was like, that's a D that's a lot. Right. So, you know, hopefully it's helpful for somebody to listen to because it certainly was helpful for me. So thank you for sharing all that. We appreciate that kind of transparency. Um, For sure. I'm a big person. I have my backpack over here has 19 books in it. Do you have any books, uh, theater or otherwise, that were like very informative to you that other people like might be interested in in taking a look at? Um, Doesn't have to necessarily be a book either. It could be a person or a teacher, some kind of resource, some kind of class, some kind of like... Thing that kind of helped you at some point in your career. Yeah, this is re- really taken aback, but I remember last year of school, my senior year, when we were getting ready for our senior showcase, the head of the acting program who directed the showcase recommended a book on auditioning. I think it's called Auditioning by Joanna Merlin, who was like this, you know, uh, amazing yep. woman who lived this brilliant musical theater career and she became a casting director. It was written in like the early, maybe like mid 80s or early 90s. So it's, you know, years ago, but it doesn't feel dated. It's something that I always recommend mm-hmm. to students when I teach because it has a, a way of like breaking down how to look at um, material and kind of break down making choices and working with text in a way that mm-hmm. I always felt was very clear and very concise um, and not too convoluted. So yeah, Auditioning by Joanna Merlin. That's one that I would throw out there. And it's one that I, that I come back to every once in a while. I think that has been helpful for me. Cool. I love that. Yeah. I'm just flashing to 
because you you teach all the time and you you work with kids and you were weren't you what was remember when you were running a theater company? Yes, in, I in st- Brooklyn. Still remember, and you had me come. Oh, are you yes. still doing that? Yes, you came into work. And with I my came kids. and did something. Yes. Wow, I totally forgot. Maybe about it was that. during Cinderella or we something. We were doing thirteen, I think. Yes. And you came, yes. and you know, funnily enough, I was doing a production of Thirteen with my theater company, and the kid who was starring in it was Andrew Barth Feldman, who was later. Oh that's my god, person. that's right. <laughs> yeah, and he, um, yeah, oh you came god. and worked with us that day, and, and we did a little Q and A, and you watched a couple numbers from the show and gave us some feedback. I was so so grateful um, to you for doing that. That was yeah. such a fun yeah. day. That was like your hometown, like 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 where you were yeah, from. Yeah, I was right? born and raised uh, in that community. neighborhood. So I, I'd been teaching and directing at different kind of community theaters in my neighborhood, and then after doing it for four or five years, me and my best friend were like, "Let's just start our own theater company," because you know we're kind of working for these other people and we're under all of these constraints. And so we formed an mm-hmm. LLC, Exit Two Theater Company. Um, we are super small, and the the momentum has been you know slowed dramatically, not only because of pandemic, but because I'm the artistic director of it, and you know I have my focus elsewhere right now. But um. But yeah, that's been an amazing, yeah. amazing thing for me to have these last few years in between gigs. And I love bringing my friends out to to work with the kiddies. So thank you for for doing that. That, that was, was oh my gosh, I forgot I about that. That was so fun. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> yeah. about it literally until this moment. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I love yeah. that. Um, we always ask, what is the what's the most influential musical in your career for you? Like when you were when you were growing up, what anything like was there one that you fell in love with? I mean, of course there was, but like something something that is the most influential for you. Sunday in the Park with George. First stuff you love. <laughs> nice. Love yeah. Me yep. too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. I mean, it yeah. feels like a cliche answer almost. Uh, I mean, it feels like every every theater so. lover just think so. there's something about that that musical that speaks to us as artists, right? It's so hard to talk about it without yeah, exactly. feeling completely cliche, but that's that's always been the one for me, hundred yeah. percent. How'd you find it? Well, my best friend in high school and I were both theater nerds together, and I was very much um, like Jason Robert Brown world when I was a kid mm. and she was very mm. much like Sondheim freak. Mm. And so she introduced me to all of that canon to Sweeney and, um, mm-hmm. and Sunday and assassins and, and all the rest. So I kind of, I, because I went to a performing arts high school, we were always looking for material and always learning about different shows. And so I found that at maybe 16 or 17 and, and dug right in. And it's been one that I keep coming back to always because it's so, it's so special. It's so special. It's so special. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah, I love that freaking show. What advice would you have for somebody who's just starting out or Ooh. for perhaps for your young self? What, what did you, what could you, t- what would you tell yourself when you were oh, man. your 16 year old performing arts high school self? What would you tell yeah. him about oh, where you are now? It's such a hard Or one. what does Dan need to hear right yeah. now? <laughs> AKA, do you have any advice for me? Cause it's real dark well, over Dan. here. Yeah. Oh, Dan. Dan. It's going to be all right, Dan. First of all, I am sorry that uh, happened to you. I, I never got to say, it's, it's always just a, a, a shitty thing to kind of deal with. And I, I don't know, I would love to yeah, hear more about what went on. Man, this is a, such you. a crazy thing we do. It's a really crazy yeah. thing that we do. Wow, what advice? I get asked this question a lot because I, you know, I, I work with a lot of theater companies and I you know, do a lot of these Q&As. And one thing I've been kind of on a kick about in the past couple of years is there seems to be a change that I'm seeing in young people. I feel like such a grandpa talking about this, but, um, <laughs> the kids, these days <laughs> the kid, but a little bit, a little bit, <laughs> totally, totally. Um, I don't know. I see it in a lot of the kids I teach who 
are excited and passionate about musical theater, but they never want to show how excited or passionate they are. There's this almost, there's, there's this too cool for school kind of layer to a lot of young people. And I think, you know, social media has a lot to do with it and cultivating this image. And um, there's this level of detachment that I see in kids right now. And it's so refreshing when I meet a kid who like so fully loves their craft and is just so excited and ready to, to learn everything that they can about it. And so I always try to instill in kids, teens, young people, like, don't be afraid to, to, you know, love this fully, right? And to, um, mm-hmm. you know, show your joy, wear it, uh, wear your heart on your sleeve a little bit more. And there's, you know, I'm seeing a, a lot of, I don't know, um, yeah, just like detached cool energy from kids who sometimes feel a little bit over it. And my advice is like, no, be into it. It is cool to be excited about stuff, right? How is um, that manifesting itself? Yeah, are people yeah, yeah. like not That's awesome. trying? Are they not taking notes? Or are they just pretending like they don't like it to kind of keep themselves safe? Um, ooh, man, I think it's all of those things. I think when you're a kid, mm, yeah. you're just so afraid of judgment um, from right. your peers, from other kids Especially your age. Yeah, you know, and and then because of social media, right? It's exacerbated all of these insecurities, and we're constantly comparing ourselves to one another. And when you're a kid, it's so debilitating to kind of like have to compare yourself to to other people. And we, you know, mm. we we get trapped. Um, I feel like I'm not kind of 100%. putting voice to this idea very well, but I'm always just in- no. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, like I work with high school kids all the time, and I find I find that there there's just this hyper pressure that like, I feel like we felt also to sound like a grandfather that like, there's this hyper pressure now that I didn't feel in high school. I felt, I felt like a nerd because I love musical theater more than anything in the world. I felt judged by like the 15 people that were like in my sphere mm-hmm. that were like, Oh, you're cooler than me. And you think it's stupid that I like music. Right, right. Now you could feel that judgment from 10,000 people. You yeah, know, or mm-hmm. or you know whatever. So, no, I see it all the time, and I always say that high school kids don't smile enough. Yeah, I get all these high school kids that I work with, and they're just like so. They're like they want to sing, they like you know they want to sing "Good Kid" from from Lightning Thief, right? And they're like, <laughs> oh, everything's terrible. Oh man, and I'm like, yeah, but can you smile one time in your audition, please? Yeah. Like, God, totally. that was anyway. four years of college for me. Jesus. <laughs> just taking Mark Adama was telling so me that. So seriously, I just wanted to be a real actor. I just wanted to I wanted people to, be taken to think seriously. I was good. Same. Same. You know, yes. so it's like yeah. Yeah. I get it, but I, the difference is this that I really loved it and I wasn't afraid to eat lunch alone and be the kid who loved musicals. Like I, you know what right. I mean? Like yeah. there's something to be said for that because while your classmate may have 70,000 followers on TikTok, they may not know what they want to do with their lives and right. you knowing that this is a career path Makes you can take. Feel, yeah, like, that's about them. Yeah. yeah, is something that yeah. you should really hold on to because a lot of people wish that they knew what they wanted to do. Yeah, totally. Um, right. Joe, what? Yep. Uh, let's, 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 uh, sorry. Joe, go ahead. <laughs> no, I have nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought you were going to ask left. me a question. We have one more. Okay, great. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. We'll let you go. So, so this is the, this is the transition that I'm not, I'm okay. <laughs> You're not supposed to What's, say transition. I, I know. Okay. So I, I keep, we get <laughs> now our listeners, God bless you. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, my mom, my mom gives us notes on the show. Okay. And so my mom will like text me and be like, okay, listen, you you can't say transition 
when you are transitioning between questions, you can't say, oh, that's a good transition to our next point. <laughs> you can't? Stop saying, just okay, do it. Sure. No. And I, for some reason, I can't. So so now- Can you use the word segue? Can um, you be like, oh, that's a great segue. Like, is that a thing? No, it's about that. It, no, it's about the It's about the, the the phrase. It's about like, just just ask the next okay, question. You can't call don't, attention like, don't to the Don't spend 14 minutes. Okay. Yes, you okay. can't call attention to the segue. Right. So now I've spent 10 minutes explaining it. It's <laughs> just like saying, and it's just like saying, oh, I have, to, I have a funny story like it's not going to be funny if you have yeah. to tell us that it's right. funny it's not working. i see so what you're saying just, just do tell, the tell the damn story tell, tell the damn story exactly. yes love it okay exactly Great. exactly okay so the question is <laughs> what is your unre- <laughs> what is your unreachable star it's our last question it's the end you know you've accomplished so much mm. is there anything on the horizon that you really would love to accomplish it can be artistic personal Whatever you want, is there something something you're looking towards? Oh man, so many things, right? I mean, all of us have have so many things we want to do before we're before we're done. Um, yeah. Whoa, this was not the answer I expected, but it was the first one that came to mind. Teaching and having a theater company, I've I've really gotten to um, experience a little bit of directing, artistic directing, and directing mm-hmm. has always been something really exciting to me, and I would I would really love to kind of dip into that world. A little bit more. The idea of like yeah. being the artistic director of a theater company or being like the head of a musical theater program at a college mm. for some reason is kind of like it's uh, you know keeping it in the back yeah. of my head for for later. Um, so that's something I think I can see life going there. That's something outside of performing that I'm really passionate about. You know, arts education, as you know, that I've spent a lot of time doing that the last yeah. few years. Um, and so yeah, I think that that world is is something I'd like to experience more. That's very cool. Yeah. And we need more people like you who want to do that because I think that so many people get into teaching for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And so many, you know, they, 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 you know, so finding good teachers, passionate teachers, passionate directors, you know, mm-hmm. that's, we need, we need more of that. We need more of that in, in arts education. And, um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd want to go back to school and, and, and be in, you know, a student in Jason Gote's musical. Always welcome. Always welcome, Joe Carroll. <laughs> um, yeah, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, that's, that cool. that's great. Yeah. Cause sometimes people ask, like answer that question with something super micro or super macro. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So many things, but yeah, I just kind of want to keep doing what I'm doing, tell stories that I think are important that I'm passionate about and make a little bit of money. Because I'm almost yeah. 32, and uh, I want to start, you know, buying some stuff. So that's like yeah. the boring answer. <laughs> yeah. um, no, yeah. that's not boring. That's not boring. We yeah. want we want health insurance. We want oh, savings accounts. Man. We want like you know what I mean. It's yeah. it sounds silly, but it's not like no, that's it's a fundamental that, right. Truly, in truly. Fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My new biggest that. thing is the longest. The uh, I'm uh, like writing a YouTube video as we speak about like the best way to make it as an actor is to learn how to save money. Because if you can Ooh, figure amen. out how to support yourself, you can make it as long as you want. Because the business isn't going anywhere. It's just right. a matter of how long right. you can depend on it for your financial stability, which we all know is harder than we thought it was. Right. Even as someone who's yeah. been in multiple Broadway shows. So I'm glad that you've got this Gossip Girl gig because you, you will get your, your money and <laughs> hopefully that will continue for years. Is this and the years note we're years. ending it's on? Good. This is awful. This is like not. Where <laughs> no, it's not. It is, no, no, it's, it's a good thing. Like, like yeah, it's, it's a celebration a totally, of like your totally success. Does. It's a celebration of the beginning of Gossip Girl running for six to ten years. Yeah, and you're that's gonna work. Dream. I don't. We don't know what your character is. You're probably not even allowed to really talk about it. So yeah. we're just gonna say yeah. that like ten years from now, the character is going to be 
running a theater company and you're going to be making a million dollars an episode. Love, it. Love everything I'm hearing. And you know what I mean? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with any of totally. this. And in between gigs, you're like teaching children and then filming indies and shit. This is, let's go. Yeah, that's, that's what let's we want. Go. That's, let's, that's, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. Love it. Jason, we love, love you. It. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. We can't wait to see what happens with the show. Um, everybody wear your effing masks. Yeah. Please. So that, you yeah. know, these the shows don't least. get shut down, you know, and just, you know, we're, we're proud of you and we love you. And thank you. Guys. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. Love you both. Love your podcast. Can't wait to listen to the next episode. <laughs> it's, it's the best. Thank you guys so much. Thanks. Man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Guys Who Like Musicals. We are produced by Dan Tracy and Joe Carroll, your hosts. You can find us on Instagram at Guys Who Like Musicals or on Twitter at Musical Guys. For more information about us or our show, please visit our new website at guyswholikemusicals.com. You can find our merch store, our Patreon page, and more. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.